Hello, book lovers. We're back. We have Phil Svitek and myself, Marissa Serafini. Today, our conversation, we're talking about Frederick Bachman's Anxious People. Um, yeah, we're going to get all into it. If you haven't read the book, we're going to spoil it for you. So pause us, go read the book, come back to us, and we're going to talk all about it. Uh, um, Phil, what were your quick thoughts about this? Uh, well, first off, Happy New Year, everyone. I know, uh, you know, very exciting. <laughs> yeah. uh, Happy New Year, guys. Um, and yeah, you know, we always give the spoiler warning. And I will say this, like for a book like this, there's not really a way to talk about it without literally spoiling everything um and a couple of things number one when i first started reading it um i know it's called anxious people but when i like initially it sets you up in this way where i kept calling the book obnoxious people because they were all obnoxious (laughs) um but uh it's written in such a smart humorous way you know i love books that just remind me of what's possible with language and this one was certainly one of them. You know, it, it plays with you as a reader and it tries to get you in a certain mind, uh, headspace. And it's all deliberate, right? Like, like, it's not just there for the sake of being there. And when I joke about that, it, you know, they're obnoxious people, you're presented everyone in one light at the beginning of the story. And as it goes on, you know, it's called anxious people because you realize everyone's insecurities and their interconnectedness and you have so much empathy for everyone by the end. And it's like, it weaves together this insane tapestry that you couldn't have imagined. And it's really quite beautiful, you know, both in terms of like, I, I think that we could talk about it both in terms of its plot. Right. Um, and also it's plotting of how it gets there because it, it just like bounces back and forth in the way it does. Like I really commend the writing style of this to tell this narrative so truly beautiful yeah absolutely um as you know me i love interconnected stories how a bunch of people you know because we say it's a small world it really is someone's always connected to someone and i think you it's funny you say obnoxious people because like i feel that's what we all do you know we all make knee-jerk judgments about people just based on what we see on the outside not knowing anyone more than five minutes they're like oh they're that kind of person or what have you and i think that's the beauty of this book is that we actually do get in the internal dialogues of each of these characters their personal struggles and their personal insecurities that they project out um and that's where we understand and empathize with these characters a lot more there's always the saying of like be nice to other people because you truly don't know what they're going through. And that is definitely the case in this book with every single one of these characters, even the policemen, um, you know, who are just doing that. We'll get into it. But like these two guys who are literally just doing their job and they're like, oh, no, 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 no. They're like even they have personal struggles that they that dictated their decision making um, when it came to the case. So it's just like, yeah, you really don't know what people are going through. You don't know their past traumas. You don't know what their their current traumas or the current situations. And it's just if we spend more time getting to know each other and understanding each other better, the world would be a better place. And I've said that before. Um, so, yeah, let's get into it. Uh, anxious people. Basically, the plot is that uh, there's a failed bank robber, minted bank, um, 
couldn't get money, asked for a specific amount of money, 6,500 kronos in this is a Swedish book. So like those units um, couldn't get the money and then flees to an open house apartment um, viewing where there are okay, eight I, other I people. One, and... I just want to jump in with one key thing um, that the reason sure. they couldn't get the money is because this is such a like new age thing. It's a cashless bank. <laughs> yeah. So they don't have money to give. There's no physical money <laughs> um, to, to it's like it, it's not like one of those things like here's the bag fill it up it it just doesn't work like that anymore. Yeah. Um, so therefore it didn't work for this this robber. They go to flee to a nearby open house and that's where it becomes a an unexpected hostage situation and you have all these eight people and everything happens within a short amount of time. But mostly the book is just recounting everybody's individual stories of that particular moment of the situation, making sure everyone's corroborate with each other and just getting to know these characters more and more. Um, I, I I really liked the writing style. Um, we can get into that. What did you think? I mean, you mentioned you, you liked uh, how um, we understood, you know, characters a little bit in that way and how the interconnectedness with that but. Uh, what did you take away from um, a the writing style and b switching back and forth between like interviewing style to just narrative style? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that worked really well because you know not only so you have the two policemen, um, the father son duo, and not only are you getting it from their perspective, like you're getting a very surface level view of what happened. So you're giving, you know, you're giving like a false view. Um, you're giving like these little breadcrumbs. So you're trying to piece together what actually happened. But then you also get the mentality of both the father and son. And, and, and you know, as you mentioned, they have their own complications. So it's just layer upon layer. Mm -hmm. And then you cut to, um, you know, these essentially vignettes, if you want to call them that, of what actually happened. And the way it's told is like, hey, you know, this person did this bad thing. And of course, that's a bad thing. You know, you and I know it's a bad thing. But maybe in this circumstance, if they did this, maybe they're not a, it wasn't like a fully bad thing. You, you know what I mean? Like, it just keeps going along right. with this logic until you're like, oh, yeah, I guess that is a way to justify it completely what, what otherwise might seem like a terrible act, but just it got misconstrued and it wasn't so bad. You know? Yes. So, Absolutely. Let's get into the characters a bit. So we mentioned the two police duo. Um, we have a father-son police officer duo. Um, James, who's the father. Um, and then the son, Jack, who's younger. Um, still probably, I forget like the age, but he's younger. Uh, definitely like textbook. He wants to do a good job. And the father, he's been on the force for 40 years. He, he's seen some stuff. He's a little bit, not to say lackadaisical, but like he's seen some stuff. He, you know, he, he's been around. Um, and so he's he's more, um, I wouldn't say loose, but he, he's more relaxed when it comes to how he views the world. And Jack, the son, is a little bit more textbook, a little bit more black and white. He's like, no, we got to do this and this, this. We got to find the robber. They did something wrong. They need justice for that. Um, so, like, we have, like, two already opposite kind of mentalities working with each other, trying to figure out this case and getting everybody's 
interrogations and, and their stories line up. And then that's where we meet all these fun, definitely different ragtag of people. Just to add to the, the father son a little bit. Um, they're also like, not yeah. necessarily like the world's smallest town, but like they make mention of like Stockholm has more of a jurisdiction. So if like things go bad, like Stockholm kind of takes over, um, and things like that. And certainly, um, you know, uh, the father, the father in essence, yeah, ha has kind of that depleted sort of, you know, what once might've been idealism, but he's more protective of anything of his son. And the son has a very direct motive for trying to figure this out. Like um, we learn later on, and we can certainly discuss that later, but like everyone has this core experience that essentially shapes their worldview. And certainly that applies to mm -hmm. Jack and his idealism. So I um, just wanted to kind of mention that before we headed to Absolutely. Um, so let's start with Zara, the bank director, uh, and learning about her, her background and her current situation uh, she's the wealthy bank owner who's, you know, too busy about, like, worrying about everything about anybody else and stuff. And uh, she, let's preface this, 10 years ago, she denied a man a bank loan. That man decided to jump off a bridge. And he killed himself by suicide. That's haunted her for the next 10 years in her career. And that has led her to try to get, have more empathy, more sympathy for her clients, get to know them on more on a personal level by like seeing where they grew up, how they lived. And I don't know, it, it's like a way that she grieves and tries to make herself feel better. Cause she's always felt this guilt that she's the reason why this man killed himself. Um, so what were your thoughts of Zara, the, the bank director? Yeah, I mean, I, I think she's someone who's, like, trying to really struggle. Like, she's struggling and trying to figure out as best she can. I mean, she attends these open houses so she can essentially learn how the other half lives. But still, you know, in spite of her best efforts, in a way, she still can't fully understand. And the um, sort of sadistic aspect, like, self-sadistic aspect of of her is she always only goes to apartments that have a view of the bridge where the man jumped off. So she can kind of sit on the balcony and, and uh, not contemplate, but like just take that in, if you will. Um, so mm -hmm. definitely a lot of pain there. And, you know, uh, maybe in some sense, like if there's any karmic aspect to it, like she's not evil, but I think it's, you know, karma coming, having come back to haunt her and, Finally, in this story, like, she makes amends and is able to move past that is how I viewed it mostly. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's her way to process. Um, and there are three characters in this particular story that are linked back by this attempted suicide of the bridge. They have this um, important location that ties all of them together, this bridge where people have committed suicide and that ties her to um jack the son the police because when he was younger he was 10 years old and he was the the young boy who tried to help this guy off the bridge he failed and that um, unfortunately was not successful in that way and that has affected him too and a week later 
he helped a woman uh, and talked a woman off the very same bridge. Her name, her character, named Nadia. And because of this now successful attempt, he that led him to become a police officer and in hopes to help people. So this bridge, big significant um, part of these three characters' lives. So leading into Nadia, what were your thoughts on Nadia? Yeah, I mean, uh, the psychologist. In a weird way, like thank God for her because she made Jack's life ha like half glass full type of thing. Because if like if I was in Jack's shoes, I would never go near that bridge ever again. And to be faced, like, can you imagine if like a week later you're dealing with the same thing, and Nadia hadn't, uh, you know, uh, been saved? Like, whew. Um, but yeah, Nadia, you know, she ties into Zara because she's actually. Um, Zara's therapist um, and mm -hmm. you know in typical Zara fashion like Zara has this mean edge to her and um, you know it's one of those things like she she blankets behind truth and sometimes it, it can be right sometimes it can be wrong but she does drive Nadia forward because of of how Zara interprets Nadia's painting of essentially that moment from her past. Um, and she interprets it essentially correctly that it's a woman who wants to like kill herself. Whereas everyone always looked at it as like hopeful or, you know, something of that, of that nature. Right. And um, so again, talk about like that aspect of interpretation, you know, you can look at, you know, this is little uh, literal painting and people have been blindly interpreting it in the in the wrong way not in the wrong way obviously like art is very interpretive but from the intent of the artist aka nadia it was completely wrong and mm -hmm. so the fact that zara is the first one to actually guess it correctly and zara literally rubs nadia the complete wrong way like nadia is ready to pull out her hair after every session with zara but she also knows it's good for her you know like it's that weird dichotomy yeah. It's when you have a therapist who who pushes you beyond the level of, you know, out of comfort, but that's where people grow, you know, <laughs> you grow out of your comfort zone. So they challenge, uh, Nia challenges Zara in that way. And that's, I think that's why she makes such a good foil, um, I guess you can say for, for Zara's character because of. Um, the way that Nadia grew up, her suicide attempt at a young age, and Jack saving her life, you know, or she, she delved into, you know, the psychology, and um, she let that um, kind of form her career, you know, wanting to help other people um, who has gone through the same mental struggles as her. And then, you know, going into, <laughs> that goes into Jack, um, and, you know, Jack is, like, Jack and the father, Jim, they're, like, the constant through thread um, throughout this whole story. So we're, we're going to mention these two a lot. Um, but now let's move over to uh, the other quirky characters in this story, Roger and Annalena. They are an older married couple. They love flipping houses um, and, and, like, finding old apartments and fixer-uppers and stuff to um so they fix up apartments but ironically can't really fix their <laughs> their marriage and um Annalena she has secretly been hiring 
um, a man, a man called Leonard, who we will meet during the situation, who who we call as a professional interrupter. So he'll create a situation that's over the top, and that makes Roger and their uh, their bidding, I guess you know, um, for places a lot cheaper than what normally would be selling. So what were your thoughts of this dynamic, this older couple dynamic trying to work through this situation? Hey, I thought it was very realistic, um, but also quirky in their own way. Like the fact that not only there are Ikea obsessed, I'm pretty sure like th there's not an Ikea that they haven't been to and they could literally point, point out. They've been to, they've been to all of them. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and yeah, it's, it's an, it's an odd obsession. Um, you know, it's like you, you just keep moving, you know, uh, obviously like we're talking about their marriage, but it's no different than people just try to escape their problems in life by work, work, work. And this is their sort of version of that. And yeah, I mean, you can only avoid it for so long. And so this is that situation that pushes them to finally confront each other the thing that they've been avoiding for god knows how long um yeah i mean uh I, I i don't i guess i don't have necessarily too many insightful things to say other than like it just worked really well um for me and yeah yeah and, and it's like when you see people struggling they know they're struggling but they're too cowardly to face each other and having a constant um, like project to work on something that like ties them together that keeps them together keeps them working together in, in that way um, like flipping houses together keeps the relationship going somehow um, but you know eventually that all catches up with them until this hostage situation comes takes you know comes along and takes over and uh, we have Leonard who dresses up as a rabbit stuck in the bathroom <laughs> trying to and uh, <laughs> that brings us into Leonard. What were your thoughts of Leonard? Because once we get the mask off, once he gets like out of this crazy character that he was hired to be, um, and we saw him just as himself getting along with Zara and all that, what were your thoughts of Leonard and how he added to the story? Yeah, I mean, again, it's one of those on the surface when you're first introduced to it, like this is the strangest thing. How does this fit in? Who is he? Like, not that he's just, but like, it's right. how are you tied to all this? <laughs> yeah. And it's like borderline psychotic initially. But then again, you unravel the layers uh, and, and you get to, yeah, just understand then that. And, and the fact that his connection with Zara, um, you know, the, the, that, that in particularly, it's almost like they melted each other's like stone hearts, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. Like, I think that's the best way I can like summarize it as far as him. And uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. What a wild character. Definitely a wild character, but also like one of the more unexpected characters that kind of like creeps up on you. Like, oh no, I needed you for something else, but you actually ended up helping me in a completely different way. Um, he was like the interrupter of the Roger and Alina relationship that they needed. <laughs> like the unexpected mediator in a sense to that finally forces the two to face each other and talk to each other. Um, 
because, you know, Roger was like, who's this guy? You've been lying to me this whole time. And, you know, and like now they're questioning the relationship. Like, what else have we been doing together? That's a lie. You know, what's what's really truth and what's really lies? Um, so it, it, it kind of forced them to finally, finally face each other and talk out their issues. And it's funny because it almost like in a way, it's almost like on the severity level of having been cheated on. But in the most complete absurd way, like obviously, like th there's no adultery happening here, but just the idea that, like, wait, I thought I was a great negotiator, but I I'm a great negotiator. Like, my life is a lie because of you. Right. It's all fixed. <laughs> yeah. You manipulated the situations thinking that I was the one who was successful. Uh, yeah. That also causes, you know, a lot of a lot of doubt, a lot of mistrust. And Leonard actually ended up being the person who like kind of <laughs> uncovered that and be like, yo, you, this is your this problem's between you two now. <laughs> so he, he was great. in in that sense, like little but mighty, <laughs> a little small character that ended up making a big impact than um, one to uh, believe. Um, let's move into another character. We have a characters couple. Um, we have Julia and Roe, a young lesbian couple who are expecting their first child. Um, but they're they both have their apprehensions about this bringing child into their relationship. What's it going to do to their dynamic? One is questioning if the relationship is even going to work out in the end, and another is just questioning if they're even going to you know, be successful enough to support a family. So your thoughts of Julia and Roe? Uh, this was the, uh, you know, apart from like Jack and Jim, these were the characters that I most gravitated towards, at least initially. And I think certainly by the end, just that, that sort of maintained because it only strengthened uh, my resolve towards them. But the reason, you know, they're like, they're the, people that I most related to simply because they're of similar age, you know, they're trying to start a yeah. life together. Here's all these people who really don't have any particular need for this apartment building and yet are going to screw them over. So, you know what I mean? There's a lot of emotions that I could relate to. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think as far as their, their relationship goes, yeah, you know, it's a scary thing, you know, um, trying to figure out life and what you want. And, um, you know, it's that sort of age old thing where, you know, just because you're technically of age as an adult, you know, it's not like there's this magical thing where you've got it all figured out. Um, no. You know, like that's the big societal lie. And, you know, that's kind of what they're both grappling with is like, yeah, you know, what, what do we do? I completely agree with you. I I empathized with these characters too. I think you hit the nail on the head is that we are of their age. <laughs> um, we are considered adults, but you know, something as big as bringing a child into the world, that really makes you an adult. And just the, you know, growing in, in real life is just like, I can hardly take care of myself. How am I supposed to take care of another human being? And when we get this interrogation from both of these two women and we see their insecurities, it just, you know, their everyday life. Like, uh, I believe, what was it? Um, uh, w one of the women was, like, worried that, like, I misplaced my phone three times a day. 
Like, what, what am I going to do with a child? <laughs> you know, it's just like their everyday struggles. Just like, I, am I ready to be a parent? Am I ready to provide and support for two people, let alone myself? Um, so, like, I think that's very, very realistic. And um, so we have these two couples who've been looking at a house because also you know, that is a big life. Like, when you bring in a child, you're also you just have a lot of adulting, <laughs> I guess, hits you all at once. You know, these two are trying to find a bigger place for them. Um, apartment could be like the first place they ever buy. Homeowning is a big you know, milestone thing for, for being an adult, you know, having a child, another milestone. So a lot of life is hitting them really all at once. And I get, I get where the anxiety comes in. I, I truly do. Um, but I, I loved the, the fact we had, you know, these other adults who have been through uh, a little bit more life help these, you know, two women, you know, talk and connect and be like, yeah, it's a, it is a scary world out there, but you're going to be okay. Um, yeah, I do like I, I, I like I really dig in with these the community two. that they develop, right? Because of this, what seemingly would be unfortunate circumstance, um, you know, it all ties together in a nice bow for them, and that I certainly appreciated. And um, yeah, I think I think that's the missing. I mean, if anything, again, it's a it's a story, you know, so. It, it certainly has a happy ending for all the characters. And I appreciate that because um, we want to look for the goodness in the world. And I think in many ways, like a lot of us, even just beyond figuring it out, we just want to be part of a community and be supported, you know, um, and give that support too. And I think they got that in the end. So um, I, I, I love yeah. their story. Absolutely. I love them too. And they're happy ending. They actually did manage to get the apart another apartment in that same building. So they are still connected to that location. They're connected to Estelle, who we find out. Let's move into Estelle. She's actually the the owner of the current apartment viewing that everyone's looking at. Um, she's had <laughs> um, her her ex her her husband her late husband has passed away. Um, but this is, uh, they used to have their traditions around New Year's. And to avoid loneliness, she has open viewings, open houses of her apartment, just so she can be surrounded by people during those times. I get it. I get it, girl. Um, your thoughts of Estelle? I really did enjoy her. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's certainly within the narrative of the book, it's made many a times of like, who has an open house on New Year's Eve? Right. Uh, right. And I, I just that in itself, I, I, I like the sort of juxtaposition because, you know, in many ways, a new year is supposed to represent a new start and things like that. And yet for her, it just showcases the loneliness. And then as far as the bank robbery, right, like it's that it, especially on New Year's, it's always that weird juxtaposition of like, OK, you're celebrating a new year. Oh, by the way, rent's due and it's now higher. Right. And so, I mean, when we learn about the bank robber, that's really what the bank robber wants to do is to be able to afford another month of living in an apartment. Um, mm -hmm. So just just that theme of New Year's and again, the dichotomy of like it, it represents both like just an insane happiness. And yet it can also represent the, the guttural like depression of it all, you know. And so Estelle certainly falls more into that guttural depression 
of it all. And uh, yeah, very, you know, I mean, it's a strange thing, but I don't falter for it. You know, I mean, like, especially that, I mean, we talk like there's the whole notion of like, it's hard to make friends as an adult. I can't imagine at 80 how hard it might be to, you know, make, make any friends. Yeah. So, you know, and it's not like, yeah, we live in a weird age. It's not like you just invite people from like your apartment clock, but like, Hey, come over uh, for new year's. They're like, I got plans. Okay. Right. Well. And I get it. Loneliness hits, especially like it hits hard. So whatever makes her feel good around the times where she, she's feeling down. Maybe girl, I'm not one to judge you. Um, so, but what I appreciate with Estelle, because she is, a woman of age she has seen a lot of life she's very wise and and experienced and just she's seen she's been around um she's like the least faced of this robert like nah. <laughs> or that this is nothing this is just like a regular tuesday whatever but like i appreciate the um the more nonchalant uh, aspect that she had compared to all the other anxious people that we see in all their insecurities so and she she actually at the end she ultimately helps and it was like her and annalena of course it's the women. <laughs> um it's it's you know the women that also helps this bank robber like no we're gonna help you get out of this situation or at least you know more empathetic towards the bank robber which leads us into the bank robber did they ever Correct me if I'm wrong. Did they ever properly give Bank Robber a name in the book, specifically in the book? Because they just say Bank Robber. It's very genderless. It's very neutral. Uh, type yeah, it took of a while name. for me to figure out that it was a woman to begin with, because it was. Yeah, I, I was. Yeah, I was going to ask you. I was like, did you expect it to be a woman? Um, by like page eighty to a hundred, there was enough clues that were dropped of like, okay. This is like I think it deliberately plays against gender norms, um, and I started piecing the the pieces together of like, oh, I I think this is a woman, I think this is you know, and then slowly and surely that became more of an unraveling, you know, um, and came to fruition. So yeah, I kind of figured. I mean, it it also just shows the kind of world we live in. Unfortunately, most crimes statistically are are you know committed by men not to say that women haven't but like robber robberies and stuff we see mo more men do this and especially also with hostage situations we see men do this um so i think just societally we're conditioned to believe is probably a man and they kept saying bank robber and even the police the the police duo jack and jim they're like he 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 they already assume it's a man um, but as we're learning more about the bank robber, like, oh, they asked for a specific amount. Now we're learning the reasons why it's for just to keep for rent and um, keep custody of two girls for children. I immediately I was like, oh, no, this is a woman because maybe just me being a woman. I find it and this is going to sound terrible, but I really don't mean it. But I find it more believable that a woman would be more upset about losing their children than a man would be. And a woman, and this woman was like a level, got to level of desperation where she <laughs> tried bank robbery and now she's in a hostage situation, mostly just to keep her life going. 
for children. Um, I don't, I have a hard time picturing a man doing that for children. A yeah, woman I, would do that. I think it was no, also no. Um, the manner in which she was cheated on, right? Like you get the hints that, uh, um, you know, the spouse cheated on with her, with the boss. And then the boss was like, hey, this is too awkward. I have to fire you. So, you know, it started getting to a place I was like, okay, um, this is completely unjust. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I, you know, in a, in a, in a, almost in a way like, like you could see if it was a man, they wouldn't have put up with this crap. You know what I mean? Like uh, the whole patriarchal sort of aspect of it. I'm like, hell no, I'm not being fired. A, I'm not being fired for this crap. B, you cheated on me. So get the hell out of my house. You you know what I mean? Like it just would have, it would have been far different. Whereas, you know, a woman, yeah, she just essentially victim of all of this stuff. And it's like, Hey, go figure it out. And to the best of her ability, I mean, she did for the most part kind of figure things out. It's just like literally the cards are completely stacked against her in the worst of ways. It's like, what? Yeah, she was thrown into You know, I didn't cheat. Like, what the the hell are we talking about here? She she definitely got the short end of the stick. She she was thrown into a very, very shitty situation. She got screwed over by a guy and then fired by a woman. And just like, and now she's losing. She lost her housing. She's potentially losing her kids like that i wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy like that's a terrible position to be in so you understand the level of desperation that and hopelessness that she got to that pushed her to be like i just need a specific amount of money just so i can pay rent and have a legitimate proper place for my children that will deem me as a proper adult that i am a good provider and caretaker for my children so like i felt for her i sympathized her all the way um and i loved how these people who unfortunately were caught in this hostage situation also realized that too and also sympathized her it's like oh no that that is a shitty situation let's help you out of this um because i feel like a lot of women a lot of people who unfortunately i mean never been in a hostage situation hopefully never will have to ever be but there are some people be like, no, 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 no. You're the one who's pointing a gun at me. I'm not going to help you. But near the end, everybody agreed to help her. So what what were your thoughts of like this whole turning point where it could have gone badly, even worse for her, but it didn't? Yeah, I mean, I think if anything, it just goes to show a recognition of an innate goodness within the robber, let's say. You know, because even from the start, like at the bank, the interaction you can kind of tell like the, the the person she was essentially requesting the money of you know i don't know i got the sense that like if if it was possible they would have helped but like you know they looked at her like oh honey i literally can't give you any this is not that type of bank like you literally fucked up mm-hmm. this like we don't have cash to give it is a cashless bank and so you know, it just, yeah, in an odd way, I, I think there's like, and obviously it's it's uh, through text, but I think it paints enough of a picture for me as a reader where she goes through life with a demeanor that, that, that screams innocence versus like, you know, this ho- 
hard macho like mob guy or something like that, you know? Right. We know her intentions weren't malicious. You know, she got to desperation because she was wanting something. She she or, like, she, or the ad, the potential of losing something. We know that it wasn't ill-intended. And I think that's why we know. Um, that's why we felt for her. That's why these hostage hostages were like, no, 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 no. Okay. This is like, we're going to help you. Um, and I like that because I don't feel like a lot of people would be as sympathetic. <laughs> um, especially when, you know, emotions are running high. Like, no one knows what to do when they're, you know, pointed, when a gun is pointed at them. That's why I train crime. My God, people. Um, but yeah, I, I love that. And because it's also because of everyone else's personal struggles and insecurities, they realize, oh, this woman's also struggling too. Let's help her. And we find that. People who are the nicest are the people who've gone through the deepest shit. <laughs> it really is true. I get it. I struggle with anxiety. That's why I chose this book. I was like, oh, anxious people. Totally get it. Um, and I struggle with depression. I get it. <laughs> like, we all have our personal struggles. Um, so, yeah, that's like, I really, I have to give these people an applaud. Um because it's like, oh, if we had more understanding people, the world would be a better place. And um, not to completely skip over the real estate agent, but she really wasn't present. <laughs> she was hiding in a closet, legit hiding in a closet. <laughs> um, so that, uh, she she was unfortunately caught in the situation too. Whereas Jack, I was like, oh, it must be that person, but it's not. Um. But now we we see, I mean, we talked a lot about Jeff, but let's talk about the father, Jim, um, the older man who's seen some stuff. And he actually, once we learn more about him, um, he let the robber go. He, he knew who the robber was, would not reveal her identity to her son, uh, to his son, who's like so hellbent on finding this person. Um, so what were your thoughts of Jack and his sympathy towards the robber? You know, I mean, uh, I think it's a very noble trait and I certainly appreciate it. Um, it's one of those, like, I wish when we look at our like legal system in general, right. And just justice, I wish we did it more on like a sense of almost like common sense, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Of like, because they, they, like how many times do you read about someone getting off on a technicality and this and that? And it's like, okay, well clear, like, okay. So you didn't like quote unquote break the law, but clearly like you're a heinous person. Whereas here, yes, it was ill-advised um, and so forth, but nothing ultimately happened. And the person at their core is not a bad person. So let it, just let it be, you know? Um, so again, I, you know, it'd be tough to fully have the world operate that way. Cause you do need to like have a set of, uh, rules for people to follow, let's say, but, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'd certainly, if more people operated from this, th this way, it would, it would be a much more pleasant world, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Cause unfortunately we don't, know his story until we learn um that the bank robber reminded him of his own daughter who struggles with heroin and he's he's had a tumultuous relationship with his daughter in that way and so 
I think he he understands a woman lost, just lost and and, and struggling. And he was like so quick to help her and let her go, which I appreciate that because I feel like in a different country, maybe a different place, different situation, they wouldn't um, let her go. But because he's been there for so long, he understands, he sympathizes. He was like literally the first person to let her go. <laughs> um, and uh, unfortunately, we don't really like see much more of that but we finally get like to this level of the son and the father like finally reaching a level of understanding like no okay no you're right i i see as a good cop you know following the book or the rule book and all that like i should get this person but also choose your battles like no the this woman was in a tough situation Let's we're not going to make her life even harder by like putting her in jail and prison and stuff. So we finally got a level of understanding with the two, the two men. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, I, I guess I equate it to, to, to in this sense, it's, it's almost like, you know, uh, let, let's take a high school, right. Where you have all these bullies, you know, beaten up on this one kid and, you know, it's going on for five minutes. Finally, the kid finally stands up and like throws a punch at one of the bullies. And that's when the principal walks out of like, you're expelled. It's like, right. had the first thing never happened, like, which is the original injustice, this wouldn't have happened. Right. So I, I equate it to that. And, um, you know, yeah, just, I, I, maybe I'm sensitive to it more, but I, I, I see more of those examples in the world where, the person of innocence being pushed into that hard, you know, rock in a hard place has to, it, it is put in a position where they can't, they, they have to take some certain action, but that's the one that's punished as opposed to the original sin, you know? And so I'm glad in this sense, it wrapped right. up where like the person who was truly innocent didn't have to suffer further for society. Further injustice. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I say it's like, if people just sat down and actually spent time talking to each other, understanding where people come from, their backgrounds, what they're going through. We'd all be nicer to each other. The world would be such a better place if we just took the time to learn about each other a little bit longer. That's it. That's it. Um, all right, so uh, uh, those are basically the main characters. So yes, fortunately, the, the bank robber um, you know, they, let's go back to Estelle. Estelle, who's the owner of the apartment, actually gives her a key to the secondary apartment <laughs> um, that's also in the same building. And that's how the bank robber got away, that she basically got to hide in the empty apartment across <laughs> across the way um, while they eventually let all of them out. And they could never find her. And which, you know, I think is smart. That definitely helped. I was like, but also they're not very thorough on the police department. Like you didn't check with the neighbors. It was like, eh, you didn't check all the other apartment units that she could have been in. Um, but eventually they all ended up, you know, leaving and um Estelle still lives at the apartment. Um the bank robber ended up moving into that same building. 
the Roe and Julia also end up living in the same building. So, like, they're all still connected at the end of that. Leonard, the Robert, the Interrupter, starts a relationship with Zara. And, um, yeah, it's just, like, I love how everyone just stayed in each other's lives in some way. They they were truly, it could have been a very, very traumatic event in that way, but it all ended up being positive for everyone. Which was nice. That's refreshing. <laughs> um. All right. So moving on. Is there anything else that we might have missed that you maybe want to talk about? No, I, th I mean, you know, of course, there's all like just the tiny detail. Like, you know, we talked about the plot. But as I said, like the artistry is in the plotting. And that's something a little bit more difficult to, to talk about because I think we just be, you know, throwing bouquets and being like, this was awesome. This was awesome. This was awesome. Right. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I mean, I, I appreciate a book that shows me a new way of how stories can be written, right? Like what the English language or just language in general can do. And um, this definitely opened my eyes to, I was like, wow, you could do that? I didn't know that. Right. And I think Frederick Bachman did a great job of writing people's insecurities. I mean, like, yeah, we talked about it, but... Quite honestly, you have to read the book to understand. I was like, I could quote this if I could. I'd I'd like list all the quotes from every single character, and like just you know one that I believe um, from the bank robber. Um, there 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 was one. Uh, it's like you might not know exactly how it feels, but perhaps you've also had moments where you stare at yourself in the mirror and think this wasn't how life was supposed to turn out. That can terrify a person. So one morning you do something desperate. And that's just her mentality. It's like, let alone get into Rose insecurities, you know, Julia's insecurities, like everyone's insecurities. They all had something that I related to um, me personally as a reader and just like us personally as humans. Like, yeah, everyone struggles. <laughs> everyone struggles. If you say you don't, you're lying. Um, and I think that's where the writer did a really great job of. Yeah, everyone just struggles. You're, you're not alone in that way. So uh, this book actually was, um, you know, uh, big in Sweden, you know, because he, he is a Swedish writer. So it was bigger over in Scandinavia area. And then it was adapted into a movie, um, which got, you know, a lot of recognition. And also like Academy Award nominations, too. I remember that. And then uh, America, of course, had a, an American adaptation called The Man Called Otto, starring Tom Hanks. Um, but there's also a Netflix TV series um, adaptation of the same book, which I actually watched. I binged. Um, and I thought they did a great, great job. It, it helped me understand each character and their storyline vignettes, you can say, better. Um, it all, it didn't really delve into the anxious people. No, it, like, honestly, you could just, you could rename the show something else. It's just like people caught in a hostage situation because that's where the book like really gets more intricate with the anxiety where when you're watching it, it doesn't really translate. It's more like just situational what's happening on the surface. Um, not to say it missed a lot of things, um, but it definitely, it felt more dramatic and feel good at the same time, but not as anxiety riddled <laughs> as the book is. 
Um, I, I highly suggest watching it. It's really quick. There's only six episodes. Each episode is like a half an hour. Like you can get through it in three hours. I, I binged it. It's it was great. Um, yeah, and it, like it got a lot of recognition. This book was on like New York best time seller for like several weeks. So was it 42 weeks? A long time. My mom told me to read this book years ago. Um, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. You know, maybe a bookworm. I was like, I, I was like, I'll put it on my TBR. I'll eventually get to it. Then it came back in circulation through the zeitgeist. And uh, I actually read Anxious People before I read um, A Man Called Ove, which is like, that's the book that's like everyone was reading and talking about. Um, but yeah, and then I read Anxious and then I read Anxious People. Then I read that book and I was like, oh, yeah, that's great. <laughs> I get it. I get why people love it. Um, so, yeah. Anything else about it? I mean, we could talk a little bit about the about the author, Frederick Bachman, um, born in Sweden. He as in um, in 2006, he was a he, he wrote for the newspaper Um for a test article for a place, a column called Extra. And that, that like really started off his writing career. And then he moved on to more freelancing and then became a, a like major writer for a magazine in Stockholm, which is, you know, capital of Sweden and stuff. And then uh, he, he wrote A Man Called Ove and that book really launched his career internationally. And here we are. And he, he, he still lives in Sweden with his, to um his two children and his wife um yeah anything else i i thoroughly enjoyed this book yeah no absolutely i mean um i think it's awesome and it's great when uh you know people from other countries sort of break through um certainly when you think of like scandinavia you know you think of the, the girl with the dragon tattoo but like it's nice to see something that's not like a, a crime thriller let's say you know and it's much yeah. more human um so it's great that he's managed to break through and find that success that's that's really awesome yeah and i think that's why i appreciated this book it's very universal it doesn't matter what country it is it's like being human is universal inter like internal struggles very human yeah um no matter where you are in the world all right uh let's talk about books bill what have you been reading we've uh, it's been a minute since we've been together talking about books. So what have you read in the meantime? Uh, yes. Um, not as much as one would hope. Um, COVID took me out. Uh, and literally, uh, I did not watch or read during that time, which seems counterintuitive. But like, literally, I just laid there or I slept. But uh, I did finish up Suzume, which is the novelization of uh, the wonderful Mikado Shinkai film of the same name. That was great. And now I'm reading The Tattooist of Auschwitz. And um, oh yeah, uh, I'm about, it's not quite halfway, but uh, but it's really, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, um, it deals with the Holocaust and the setting of that. But, um, you know, as intended, there's an optimism that the characters managed to find. Um, and I think it's well-written, well-paced. Um, and so I, yeah, I, I'm having fun with it, which is, again, I know it's a strange word to say about a Holocaust book, but um, right. I, I appreciate it, you know? So it's, it's been good. And hopefully in February, I'll read even more books now that uh, COVID has passed me, but 
here we are. Yeah. I I was kind of on the opposite end. I went ham, <laughs> ham in December. I just, maybe it was the, the end of the year. My, my schedule kind of freed up. I was like, oh, what do I love doing with my extra free time? I love reading. Um, so I read a lot. I read, here we go, people, count it. Ballads of Songbirds and Snakes, mostly because the movie came out. So, of course, you know, I had to read that. Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller, A Man Called Ove, because, you know, I read that immediately after I read Anxious People. The Reckoning by John Grisham, because our last book was a John Grisham book. We both didn't really enjoy it. And I was like, oh, if I read another John Grisham, maybe I would have liked his writing a little bit better. That book, also very, very frustrating. I don't think it ages well. Um yeah, uh, I also read Acheron by Sherilyn Kenyon. That's a really <laughs> toxic relationships, but very, very steamy in that way. And then I read a bunch of uh, Jennifer Armentrout books, um, mostly at the recommendation of a friend of mine. So I read three of hers. The Problem with Forever, Wait for You, Don't Look Back. There, she's mostly like, uh, those were YA books. Um, so a lot of, you know, angst 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 but that kind of leads me into like her adult series that she has and then i also read our upcoming book there you'll find me for our march um, discussion i also read uh daughter of the moon goddess by sue lynn tan and women talking also because there is that movie that came out fairly recently with a bunch of a-list cast women and that book was so frustrating i stopped reading for like four days i couldn't pick up another book i was like i gotta like had that book not belong to the library i would have thrown it in the fire <laughs> and then of course i have a, um a few other books that i currently got from the library i have i'm in the middle of this one even though i knew the end nor uh it's a um nor kind of mystery um love story in that sense um this, this one, Markably Bright Creatures, which is getting around in the zeitgeist. Apparently, it was suggested to me because I read A Man Called Ove. If you liked that book, apparently you would like this one too. So I was like, I got that one as well. Um, she Who Became the Sun. I think you would like this one too, Phil, um, because, you know, we both really enjoyed the, um, you know, Poppy War series. It's kind of like badass women and fighting um, in the Asian culture and stuff. And then she who gets the girl. Um, honestly, I'm in my sapphic love stories right now. So it's like all women empowerment stories. Love it, love it, love it. And then also this one, uh, the threads of power, fragile threads of power, which is also strong women characters in that. So I have my reading cut out for me. Um, yeah, I love reading, obviously. <laughs> it's a lot of books, I know. But what can I say? It's a new year and new books. So... And then let's talk about our upcoming books, Phil. Your choice for next month in February. Yeah, so it's called This Birth of Mankind. It's um, it's a book written by um, someone who's like a refugee in many ways. Uh, someone, you know, so it's it's almost like a banned book in, in a lot of aspects. So it'll be interesting to read. Like it was literally written in prison. So, um, you know, I think that'll be an interesting discussion. Then in March, your pick. Yeah, March will be There You'll Find Me by Jenny B. Jones. I've read it. It's really enjoyable. There's a movie um, adaptation, too, which we both have watched and enjoyed. I think you'll like it. Yeah, I, I thought, the movie I thought it was Finding very, you. very solid. Yeah. yeah. Movie called Finding You. 
Um, it's based on it's adapted from this book. I read the book now. I really enjoyed it. And we'll talk about that in March. And then in April, we have The Absolute True Diary of a Part-Time Indian by Sherman Alexi. And uh, this will be an interesting one. I think it's it's more of like a comic book type of graphic novel. Um, but uh, I felt it was important to get some uh, some indigenous stuff. And I, I, I felt it would be fun, you know, like, like, like let's sort of explore the genre of storytelling in the printed medium a little bit more. Um, and not that it's like, yeah, it's supposed to be a very interesting read. So, um, yeah, look forward to that. Yeah. Um, I have yet to decide our choice for May, but I know that it is Asian Pacific Heritage Month. So I might be leaning more into that. I'll let you know probably next discussion, but kind of think about those themes for that. Um, thank you everyone for tuning in watching listening to our book discussion hopefully you enjoyed the book if you read the book let us know if you have any other book recommendations let us know um, phil where can everyone find your awesome stuff i'm right here at phil's feedback right here yeah and you can follow me at serafini tv all the links are below um thank you everyone for tuning into our book discussion and we will see you for our next discussion keep reading <music>